0: And welcome back to another episode of Pod on You Loons. I'm Justin.
1: Pod on You Loons. I'm Sam. We are joined today by a special guest. I want to bring to you Grant, known as Cold North Rants. You can follow him on Twitter at Cold North Rants. Grant, how are you doing today?
2: I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Thank you guys for having me on tonight.
1: Grant caught my eye just on Twitter, right? He's a very entertaining Twitter follow. I did not know him prior to reaching out, and it was just 100% was just, he was so entertaining to follow on Twitter. He had such great takes on Minnesota United. He had just such great opinions. And I felt that it would be nice to integrate that into the podcast. Let's get to know you. You know, I've known Grant for a total of 15 minutes. Justin, a little less than that. So just a couple of questions, Grant, so the audience and myself and Justin can get to know you a little bit.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, So I live here in St. Louis Park, Minnesota. I've lived here for about 10 years now. You know, diehard Packer fan, Bucks fan, as I know, you know, Sam, Justin's shaking his head already. <laughs> but I've been a lifelong soccer fan uh, my whole life. And when I heard Minnesota was getting an MLS team, I had been to the Blaine NASL Minnesota United game, I think once. But other than that, you know, once I heard they were getting an MLS team, I was like, you know what, let's just Kind of ratchet up the interest, and let's dive into some MLS here. I've been an EPL fan for a bit, so um, okay, Manchester United fan.
1: Oh uh, yeah, we, no, <laughs> we haven't had one of those on there on, on here yet, unless yeah. you count Justin, who has I've, like three yeah. Premier League teams.
0: Yeah, I've 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 explored the EPL. You know, kind of dip my toes in a couple different fan bases. At least and that three. Was, that was my first one. So
2: yeah, yeah. Where did you land I, now? Where are you at?
0: Uh, so I have decided since my FIFA squad, Leeds United, is now back in their rightful place. I've decided as Sam gets to hear every single week, I've decided to just fully immerse myself and it's wonderful. So,
2: yeah, Absolutely. Well, love having Leeds back in the Premier League. I love having good rivalries. So obviously as a Manchester United fan, I don't like Leeds, but it's great to have you guys back in the Premier League so we can try to kick your butt. Um, I say try because... <laughs> We're still rolling out a starting 11 with, like, Dan James. And, like, it, it, it's rough right now. Uh, I know no one will feel bad for the Manchester United fan in the room, but <laughs> it's not fun being a, a Red Devils fan at the moment. I don't know if you guys saw the tweet recently, but apparently Manchester United uh, front office guys are apparently confused at why the fan base is so angry on social media. <laughs> and, and I really hope they're joking, but it doesn't seem like they are. Maybe they didn't
1: watch the Crystal Palace game. I don't know.
2: <laughs> I'm sure they didn't. Frankly, I'm sure they didn't. So we got and Johnny that- Van to be, be happy, you know.
0: <laughs> that's been that's been kind of a, a fun thing to realize as i as I become more of a Leeds fan, as I kind of get involved in Leeds Twitter. That EPL Twitter is ruthless. Oh, like, they mean. It's so mean. And like that, that, you just, that's why I laughed, right? When you talked about that they had no idea why people are upset. It's like, this is the most, like, it feels like of all the, the sports bases, like fan bases, mm-hmm. they might have one of the, the toughest Twitter crews, mm-hmm. you know, the EPL. So that's, that's pretty funny. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Grant, I mean, you, you rant a little bit on Twitter yourself, according to your Twitter handle, at ColdNorthRant. Tell us, what does that mean?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So um, just kind of going back to the whole thing, uh, I have a tendency to go on very passionate, uh, let's call them monologues, uh, because they usually only involve myself half the time they're in my car. But my former roommate used to call them grant rants. Hmm. (laughs) And he would would say, Oh, here we go. Here's a grant rant. And I think that was taken on Twitter when I tried it. I'm not 100% sure but I wanted to make a Twitter account where I can just tweet about sports and kind of just connect with people. I didn't want to make it just a Minnesota thing because I wanted to talk about the Bucks and the Packers. Didn't want to make it just a Wisconsin thing, so I figured it's north, it's cold, here it is, uh, and that's kind of where the name came from. I didn't put a ton of thought into it, so if it's not a great name. It is what it is, but uh, I'm here. I'm, I'm sticking with it. I'm not changing. So
1: It's recognizable enough, right? Yeah, I'll take it. Right? Like, I, I've seen you enough, and I was like, Cold North Rants. Let's call this guy up, Cold North Rants. I
2: appreciate that.
1: Yeah. So, you made a little bit of a splash lately, though, and I don't, I'll be honest, I don't totally get it. Probably because I don't really watch the show that I think you were referencing, but you've been posting a lot lately about Ludman. Yeah. So, what, what's the deal with Ludman?
2: I'm a pretty big fan of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia.
0: Sam, and- Sam you haven't heard of this before? This is great stuff, man. Sorry. Sorry to cut you off, Grant. Yeah, no, no, yeah. Oh my gosh, Sam. You're so old. Sam. You know what? It's always sunny in Philadelphia. You don't know. You don't know. Oh my gosh, Sam. You know what? You talk all the time about shows and things, and that's a show you haven't watched Always Sunny? I mean, I've seen the one with the Rum Ham. I love the Rum Ham. You gotta keep going, man. It's so good. Sorry, Grant. Sorry, Grant. I just I'm ashamed. I'm ashamed. I like it. It's just
1: there's like 20 seasons. That's a big commitment. They're all good. They're all yeah. good, man. There's 20.
2: The first, actually, I'll say this much for any any listeners who are about to watch It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia for the first time. Uh, the first season, going back and watching it, because I, I actually showed my wife that it, it's a little dicier. Just, there's some jokes that don't land like they would in, in 2001 or whatever. So keep that in mind. Maybe even skip to the third season. That's true. Um, That's true. You know, the whole thing came from just a very brief explanation of the situation. There's a character named Charlie, and for some reason or another, I don't recall, Charlie's trying to write a musical based on some childhood trauma he has. And he's been holed up in this room, huffing paint, and writing a musical in the dark for, like, three days. And his friend Dennis comes to check on his friend and opens up the sun or opens up the shades, and the sun comes in, and so Charlie starts to write a song called Day Man. And uh, I won't sing it for you. You guys are going to have to go look it up. There's no way I'm singing it. But, you know, just like any other, I don't know, I don't want to call it funny because it feels weird calling myself funny, but just like any other thing that pops up, it just kind of came into my head. Um, It was the day after Robin Lude had started on the right side of the field, and he looked immensely better. And so it just kind of popped in my head. Lude man, better on the right man. And, uh, you know, the rest of the song just kind of came as it went. So that's how we went along with it. Uh, it's on my Twitter. And if you want the song itself, you're gonna have to YouTube it. Cause I, I'm not singing. It's
0: so nah. good. Sam. It's so good. That's, that's, that's like a top five moment in that show for me. Just in that episode is just fantastic. Like, it's a great episode. Yeah, I'm, like we try to we try not to get that e on our title for this podcast. So, but there's some there's some <laughs> good, fun, questionable humor in that as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Danny DeVito. That is that that show made me love Danny DeVito because he Perfect. his character yeah. his character is so good. So Sam, do yourself a favor and watch some Always Sunny but maybe skip the, the first. You said started season three? Is that what you're saying, Grant?
2: Yeah, I mean, don't quote me on that either because who knows what's in season. Th- I've watched every <laughs> season, so it's been right. since whenever the show started, it's been that long since I've seen those seasons. But uh, right. yeah, it, keep in mind that they have matured a lot and they've refined their sense of humor. So it was the part of the cultural zeitgeist at the time, is what you could right.
0: say. Yeah, I, rec- I recently watched... Uh, Waiting, which I really liked when I was like, you know, in my teens. Oh, the, that movie, Ryan Reynolds. Oh my god, <laughs> that like my wife and I tried to watch it because we were like nostalgia, right? It was like on Netflix, and it was it's bad. Like there's a lot of stuff that like would never ever fly in today. So I, I get, it. Really I get
2: it. It, it. It's really tough going back on old movies, shows, stuff that you thought was funny, and looking back and going, oh, like that just doesn't. It doesn't land the way it did way back. And you grow up, too. You're not an immature 13-year-old when you're watching it or a 17-year-old. You're an adult and you understand repercussions and stuff like that. And so, yeah, it's different. But the show in general, it's had a wide arc. It's been a great show. And so that popped up. So after the song kind of bounced around on Twitter for a bit, uh, Andy Greeter at the Pioneer Press actually reached out just because he was already writing a bit on Robin Lude and asked me a few questions about it. And so, of course, I went out and got a few paper copies of the Pioneer Press as my wife and parents were embarrassingly excited. But. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's awesome. Hey, be, being in the paper is still cool. You know, like we might have, you know, advanced past that being a part of everyday life, but being in the paper is still really cool. Well,
2: and I'm a former lit major, so um, I actually did not use my degree at all. So it's nice being in the paper and saying that to some way I have used my large Bethel University private college degree. So
1: there you go. There you go. Well, it's great to have you on board, Grant. Let's get into a little Minnesota United news. Justin, I feel like you want to take this first one, though, because it's Okay,
0: So before before I preface this, I did not find this information out the way other people did. But it's under. I heard that ESPN pushed this out. They had a push notification. If you, you know, whatever, follow Minnesota sports, and you say that you want Minnesota United notifications, and the headline all it said was Minnesota trades for Kamara, and <laughs> Minnesota Sports Twitter was like, "What?" <laughs> you know, because we were thinking Alvin Kamara, right? The the super good running back, you know, for the Saints. Uh, so at first, yes, there was some, some confusion, right? The other Kamara, Kai Kamara was traded to the Minnesota United, which is, I, I think I'm, you know, I'm excited for it. We'll talk about that in a little bit, but uh, it was for 150,000 in allocation money and a second round pick, you know, Kai Kamara has been around the block for a while. So he's, you know, he's 36 years old, but he's the league's number five all-time scorer in rising. So I'm wondering if that's kind of some motivation, right, to climb that list. He's got 129 total MLS goals since 2006. Minnesota United's going to be his eighth club. So that's interesting, right? MLS club. Eighth MLS club. Yeah. So has had a chance to play for many teams. Colorado, Sporting Kansas City, New England, also Norwich and Middlesbrough. Uh, He had 14 goals in 2019 and at least 10 goals in each of the last five seasons. You know, he, so he was in his final year of his contract with Colorado, so it's kind of a low risk move, kind of just a one-year thing. They have a young team with Diego Rubio in 2019, rookie of the year, Andre Shinyashiki at strike at the striker position. Minnesota's window is open now. You know, we got a lot of old dudes on this team. Believe it or not, now the oldest guy on the team joining Ozzy, who's 34, Boxel, who's 32. New guy Debasi is is the same age as Ike Opar. They're both 31. Ethan Finlay, 30. Metanair, 30. Molino, 30. Schoenfeld, 30. We got got some, uh, some age to this team. You know, the windows now, and I'm sure Kai Kamara wants to try to do as well as he can while he can. You know, I don't know Colorado's prospects, and he'll probably get more playing time here. I'm excited. I don't know about you guys. One
1: of the big things I was excited about is, if you think back to when myself, Justin, and James were all previewing the MLSS Back tournament, James, you know, being a European, Kai Kamara was like, in his mind, this was one of the MLS stars, right? This was one of the guys that he would hear about when he would be watching MLS review shows, whether it was Sky Sports or wherever it was that he was watching it over across the pond. He had heard of Kai Kamara. Kai Kamara is a star. I know he's an aging star. I know he's not necessarily in his prime anymore. But he is still a star, and he is still producing, and now he is a star for Minnesota United. And that gets me psyched.
2: Yeah, I think it's awesome. You know, I'll be honest. I have always, I'll I'll take it back, not always, because Kai Kamara hasn't been on Colorado Rapids that long, but um, I don't love the Rapids. And so Kai Kamara, he's the kind of, I think Minnesota United, Minnesota Vikings fans will understand this. He's like a Clay Matthews. It's a guy you love having on your team, but if he's not on your team, you kind of don't like the guy that much. And so I'm excited to have him on the team. I'm, I'm ready for some Kamara time, personally. I think one of the things that he brings to the team that's awesome is he doesn't have to create his own shot. We've got Reynoso. We've got, fingers crossed, uh, Kevin Molino still healthy. We've got Robin Lude, who, again, I'm sure we'll get into this later, but He has really had a resurgence on the right. And the fact that he is interplaying with Molino and Reynoso so well, you don't have to create your own shot. You just have to finish. And I think Toy is a promising young striker who still has a ton of potential. I'm not giving up on Toy at all. But I think that Kamara and Minnesota United benefit from this move a ton because we're going to have somebody who, if you're at the end of that run, you're just going to tap it in. You're just going to head it in. You're just going to finish that. Uh, and, and hopefully score a lot of goals. I, I have very high aspirations.
0: And and I like what you're saying. You know, I know that they're not the same player, but I think that in a way kind of toy, toy his ceiling is being someone like Kai Kamara. And we want Toy to get there. We want him to be healthy. We want him to get there. But we can have Kai Kamara right now, and we do. So, yes, he's older. But as we saw when we played Colorado earlier this year, he doesn't look like he's 36 out there. You know, he looks like a guy that can still make an impact in this league. Well, and he's made an impact against us on numerous occasions. (laughs) So
1: at very least, at least he won't be scoring against us anymore.
2: Without a doubt. I I like that it brings a bit of a depth to our team. I I think, and I tried not to uh, overly criticize Adrian Heath because, you know, it's been a rough year with injuries, but when we take Toy out, we don't have a great plan at who goes in for striker. And so at minimum, we can either start Kamara or start Toy and sub the other one in when we need a break or need a fresh set of attacking options.
1: Kai Kamara, not the only new signing for Minnesota United. Minnesota United also brought in Adrian Zendeja. We bring in Adrian Zendeja from Nashville, who had previously traded for him just in 2019 for $125,000 in TAM and an additional $50,000 in GAM. They got him from Sporting Kansas City We got him from Nashville, where we gave up a fourth-round pick, which in the MLS Super Draft is pretty much useless, as well as up to $100,000 in GAM should he meet certain metrics. Do we know what those metrics are? No, we do not. But the trade is worth up to $100,000 in GAM. This was a big bench move for Minnesota United. As you know, Greg Ranjitsing is hurt. We do not know what his status will be. Tyler Miller is out for the year and that leaves the backup goalkeeper beh- behind Dane St. Clair as Fred Emmings and we we love Fred Emmings on this show. We are psyched for him. We are psyched for his future but Fred Emmings is 16 years old and just throwing him out for first team minutes with Minnesota United does not seem like a good idea at the moment as he is still learning and still developing. So having a solid backup goalkeeper joining the team he was a former usl championship finalist he did not win the usl championship as greg Ramjet Singh did twice but he was at least a finalist so he's capable at playing at a high level i think this is the right kind of backup caliber mls goalkeeper that we should be looking for
0: right and obviously as we'll talk about you know later on today dane st clair looks good you know, I think that he's kind of exceeded my expectations personally. You know, and this move is just to give us some insurance, right? Not much different than the Greg, Canadian Greg being on the team. Uh, very similar role, I'm going to guess. But it's good to have that, right? You need to have backups so we're not throwing a 16-year-old out there to the Wolves.
2: I think it's a, a, definitely a solid move. I think Dane St. Clair absolutely in this last game especially is impressed. I'm very, very high on Dane St. Clair. For the future, I think between him and Tyler Miller, we've got some really nice options for young goalkeepers. Because, correct me if I'm wrong, but Tyler Miller isn't very old. He's
1: 25, 26? Yeah, I wanted to say 27, but I would have to look that up. So he's at a good age for goalkeepers where we can see what
2: we've got with him. But then, yeah, I I think you obviously don't want to put a 16-year-old in goal facing the... Thankfully, no longer not facing uh, Kai Kamara, but you know, facing those kind of players.
1: Especially with how often we play sport in Kansas City, you're going to get uh, Polito a few times a year. <laughs> well, in the goalkeeper issue that we had and, and just the shortage of depth that we had available, should anything, God forbid, anything happen to Dane St. Clair, given how many goalkeepers were currently down, That is just one part of a larger story regarding injuries. Grant, you want to kind of give us an injury rundown?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So as of the most recent update, we still have Aaron Schoenfeld. Excuse me. Aaron Schoenfeld has returned and is now back in the lineup. Um, He got some time against Houston. Uh, Miller is still out for the season with that hip injury and surgery. Aiko Parra is still out with an undisclosed injury. And as far as I know, you guys can feel free to jump in. We still don't know what that is. It's kind of a mystery injury. And I have the opinion of it's his own private personal information. Um, if he doesn't wish to share it, that's fine by me. I hope he's healing and doing better, but obviously we're all concerned as fans and as people who like Ike Para. you know, you hope he's okay. Don't know if you guys have heard anything about what that might
0: be injury wise. No, we, we've talked on the, we've talked on the show before. I mean, even when Adrian Heath has talked about it, it seems like he maybe even knows as much as we do at this point. And I think that, you know, as we've said on the show before this year of any year, I'm going to give anyone the benefit of the doubt. If you know, yes, it would be great to know if there was some sort of injury, if there was something he was dealing with that, you know, might have issues going forward. But at this point, I don't think it's, it's, it doesn't need to be our business. This is a whole different world right now. And if, if there's something that he believes stands in the way of him playing, that's okay in my book.
1: Yeah, I agree with both of you, though. I would be willing to bet Adrian Heath knows more than, than we do. <laughs> um, I just think that Adrian Heath, he's known for being someone that's open to talking with the media. He's a very open coach. We tend to know what's on his mind. He doesn't hold a lot back from us. I believe that he is holding back this information out of respect for Aikopara. There's just no reason he doesn't know more. And I 100% respect that. It would, be, it would be wrong for Adrian Heath to share something with the fan base that ico Parra doesn't want out there. So,
2: uh, Moving along from the ico Parra news, um, we still have Luis Amaria out with an ankle injury. Last I heard it was two to three weeks or so. We should be, if I'm being optimistic, we should be coming up close to the end of that, hopefully in about a week or so. Ethan Finley is out with a knee injury. Ozzy Alonso has a hamstring injury, and Greg Runditzing has a leg injury. So a pretty beat-up squad, frankly. And so if last night is any indication, Kevin Molino may also have some type of injury. He seemed a little tweaked coming off last night. Kevin Molino is, in my opinion, an elite MLS player. I know that's probably a very biased Minnesota United fan opinion, but a healthy Kevin Molino is incredible. He was top four in the league just this week before his goal for goals and assists per 90. He is a great player, and I think a healthy Kevin Molino is an elite player. We can only hope that it's something minor that we can shake off. So fingers crossed for Kevin Molino, for sure.
0: Right. We're definitely a much better team when he's in the lineup. You know, we've seen that the last couple of years when he's been in and out with injuries. Uh, Let's just hope that whatever it is, that he can come back quickly.
1: Yeah, and especially given Jan Gregish's red card the other night, we do not yet know if that suspension will be upheld going into Wednesday's game against Columbus Crew. But right now, just kind of given the facts, I would assume that it would be. So hopefully some of these guys start coming back. It was great to see Aaron Schoenfeld back in action. I'm looking for this injury list to get shorter, but we're not getting a lot of information so far.
2: And. To your point about Gregor's uh, red card, and I don't know if this is accurate or not, but I saw on Twitter somebody stating the fact that a violent act is potentially three games out. Have you guys heard anything about oh, that? Oh,
1: jeez. I had not heard that. <laughs>
2: because that, oh, And I don't man. know if that's accurate, so keep this in the, in the podcast or not, but I saw that that's a potential three-game suspension if it's a violent action you know, unrelated to the game of soccer, not like a studs-up slide tackle. So, who knows? I rewatched it, obviously, before the podcast, and you want more from your captain. You obviously want somebody to be... Was he a captain last night, or was it Boxall?
1: I'm guessing it was Boxall, but still. He's a
2: leader
0: leader on the team, yeah. Yeah.
2: You want more from your leader, and you want more composure. You know, watching the game, I can't say I blame Gregish for, for lashing out. I... Went back, and it might have been a little petty, but I recorded all the times that Houston had a dirty move or a, a you know slide tackle against Reynoso. There was a lot in the first half. There was yanking,
0: yanking Mason Toy, there was a goal, like where yep. a Toy gets yanked. Yeah.
2: I mean, stuff like that, they're, they're playing dirty all night, and you want the official to, to clean that up. But in the moment, Gregush has the ball one of the players, and I'm not sure who it was, one of the Houston players goes to knock it out of his arm and grab Gregush, and Gregush clearly is swinging his arm saying, get off me, which I get it. You can't do that, and I and I want more out of a leader on the team. But if you're going to go back and watch VAR, right, in my opinion, if it wasn't clear and obvious in the moment and the ref is right there, if it's not clear and obvious in the moment, then why are we going back and not at least adding the context of This Houston player is inciting a reaction. He's obviously trying to unnecessarily push another player. And he's got his hands all over Greggish, too. It's not violent. Is it a red? Sure. But I just think there's a lot to that where if you're the MLS front office, I I think you can't put a three-game suspense. He didn't even connect with him. He's too tall. He missed the guy's head. (laughs)
0: oh man and sam sam i i bring up to sam all the time man like i love i love soccer but this is this is the stuff that kind of loses me from time to time you know is i'm not trying to pretend like football is like this this oh man they do it the right way and they Mm. no one ever flops or anything like that like it happens but it's just like oh my gosh like sometimes this stuff is just it's too much it's too much like that what violent and i get that like soccer tries to you know, stay to the the rules, right? Like there's clear and obvious written down things that, you know, like this kind of stuff is considered violent, but you got, there is some gray area. And that was, he was a guy that was being, he had a pest. The guy was pestering him and he was frustrated. And yes, it looks like he was exactly. swatting away a bug. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and and yes, we want more from our leadership, but that's so, oh my gosh, that was just in that moment when I saw it, I was just like, that's really really. And I'm not going to
2: go and blame anything on the ref. You know, the ref did not let those two goals in. We had plenty of things where we should have cleaned up. We could have won this game. We should have won this game. The ref is not the reason we tied it. But I think it's fair to say that the ref very quickly lost control of the game. I mean, almost right off the bat, we're seeing some bad moves, slide tackles that weren't even close to the ball. Um, we're seeing players who probably should have gotten a yellow card. I know on my notes, I had um, Saren, Seren, number 24, had a couple of different calls on him. And also Vera, number 22, had a yellow and probably should have gotten a second as well. So you've got players shoving um, during multiple different scrums and interactions. This ref, I heard he's new. Um, he got in the way of the ball like two, three times. <laughs> I mean... Really, if you're getting a performance review as a ref, you should be looking at this game going, there's a lot you have to clean up for the sake of the game, not just for Minnesota United, but you got to get in control of the players on the field.
1: We'll get more into this when we do our game review. In true pot on you, Loon's fashion, we don't always stick to the script, right? <laughs> so, Sorry, this is
2: the rant that you get. It, yeah, it I know. starts bubbling out of me here.
0: Grant, I do it every episode. I always, (laughs) I always start talking about stuff way before Sam wants to. So it's okay. It's
1: okay. Though it's, it's funny, Justin, because I guess I haven't been away from the episode yet, but you have on one or two occasions, like when you're really, really busy. Right. And I've had to bring in Jeremy and Jeremy and James to kind of fill your shoes. And you, you talk like I'm the dad of the podcast, but when you were gone, We went off the rails. So so I I may sometimes say things like I'm the dad of the podcast, but really, really, it's you. Compliment taken. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's keep it going, Sam. Yeah, let's keep it going. We do have a little bit of a Thomas Chacon update. Just rumors are persisting that Thomas Chacon will be loaned back to his former club. Oh my gosh. I asked Sarah how to pronounce this. My, my wife who speaks Spanish, uh, Danubio, 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 Danubio. So rumors persist. Thomas Chacon will be loaned back to his former club, Danubio in Uruguay. Uh, this has been even discussed by sound of the loons, the official podcast of Minnesota United. So very much people who are in the know, it seems as if Minnesota United has wanted to loan out Chacon for a while and just hasn't been able to make it happen yet for whatever reason. I know the fan base has been pretty vocal that Chacon needs playing time, whether it's with the team or out on loan somewhere. Y- you know, we've discussed on this podcast that the timing may not be great considering the long list of players that aren't currently match fit and, you know, the, the looming suspension of Jan Grigish. So I, I don't know. I mean... We're, we're in the point where I might get called up soon. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So can we afford to loan out Thomas Chacon? Not sure. What do you guys think?
0: So Andy Greeter tweeted on, on Thursday about this. And it sounds like he talked to Adrian and Adrian said, they're going to hold off on this rightly. So because of, you know, because of the depth issues that we've had. And I mean, throw Molino into the mix with that, right? Like, that might be another indication that, that this can't happen right now, which might be promising, I guess, for his playing time. Maybe he'll find a way into the lineup more, you know, if, if Molina's out. But, yeah, I, I mean, it, it'd be great to get him on the field, get him some playing time somewhere. You know, it might have to be here, which isn't a bad thing, because he's looked good recently.
2: Yeah, I think in a total bubble, if we had no injuries, I would be all for sending him out on loan. Um, obviously, with the injuries, like Justin just said, um, I've also seen stuff that Heath has said. They're they're likely not going to loan him out. You know, I can understand if you've heard enough from the sound of the loons. Uh, I know Cal has said it. Uh, a couple other people who have been at Minnesota United practices have said it. Chacon has not had, apparently, allegedly, a great practice history and a great uh, work ethic at practice and. You know, you can even see it as recently as there's a very recent video from Minnesota United of Emmanuel Reynoso and Kevin Molino combining for a nice pass back and forth and goal. And you can see Chacon in the foreground, actually standing, not moving and watching the whole thing happen and not crashing the goal, which, you know, people have wondered for a long time, why is Robin Lud starting? Why is Chacon not playing before he was on the right side? And that, to me, I coach high school lacrosse, which I you know, not the same as soccer. But <laughs> as, a coach, as a coach, you see the little things in practice, and it's stuff like that, crashing the net. Little things like that where you want to see out of your player. And if you see a 19-year-old kid not working hard, and you have a whole locker room to balance the, the chemistry of and the energy of, I'm not going to reward a player who's not working hard. I'm going to reward a player like Raheem Edwards, who's busting his butt every single practice. I'm going to reward a player who, you know, wants to put the effort in because in the game, they're going to put that extra push in. So, you know, I really like the upside of Thomas Chacon, Tomas, excuse me. But I really think that if he doesn't have the right practice effort, he's going to bottom out super fast. I mean, that's, that's what it is. And so I hope that's not the case. I hope that we can get him some on-field opportunities, but I also hope that you know, maybe a little leadership and maturity gets him to, to where it needs to be mentally and, and effort-wise.
0: And you'd hope with the age that we have on this team, the experience. You know, These guys have carved out careers because they know, they know the right way to play and they know where the effort needs to be. You can hope that that rubs off on him, that they're having conversations with him on the field you know, in the dressing room to try to figure out ways to, to up his level of play. Because we see the ceiling. We see the potential that's there. But if you're not going to do the little things, that's never going to happen.
1: And the only thing I would add is I still want Thomas Chacon to work out. I still hope that it works out. At the very least, I hope that Thomas Chacon is able to raise his value so Minnesota is able to move him on somewhere where it works for Thomas Chacon and it works for the team that's bringing him in and Minnesota United can get a little bit of return on the investment they originally made. But I want to just remind everyone about all the new players that were brought in last year and how so many of them were hits. Really, really all of them were hits. There wasn't a dud that was brought in last year. If Thomas Chacon isn't going to work, that doesn't mean that the front office just made this Gigantic mistake that happens, right? Like, think about any other team in any other sport. You don't hit 100% of the time. You don't, you don't hit on every trade. You don't hit on every draft pick. You don't hit on every move that you make. And if Thomas Chacon is not a hit, that does not mean that the front office is pathetic and needs to be out. It just means that it didn't work out. Let's look at all the players that did work out. And let's build off of that and go forward. Without a doubt.
2: I think that's one of the, the frustrating parts about certain aspects of Minnesota United social media and soccer Twitter is that I think there's this conception that every mistake your team makes, your team is the only team that makes that mistake. You know, the, the topic of uh, Abu Ladi came up because I was talking about Abu Ladi for a bit. And... That he was such a bad choice when you could have taken Jackson Ewell or Abobasi, Don't get me wrong. Those are quality players we could have taken, we should have taken, sure. But to act like Abu Ladi, who had all these accolades coming out of college, had a great scoring record out of college, he was a player who could finish, he was clinical, he could create his own shot. It wasn't a bad move. And when we selected him, off the bench he scored seven goals, two assists. Just off the bench his first year, who's second in rookie of the year voting. That's not a bad pick. He got injured and that happens. And so are we the only team in the entire MLS who has made a risky choice and come off on the wrong side? No. Teams make it all the time. It doesn't excuse it, and I'm not saying you can't criticize it. You gotta learn from your mistakes, but we are, as MLS standards go, a young team still. We're four years in. You know, so I, I just think some of the people who are criticizing this whole Tomas Chacon thing, you pick him up because you think on his high end and on his low end, he's Darwin Quintero all over again. He can either be that Darwin Quintero who you know, creates goals, makes things incredible happen, super creative, super energetic, or on the low end, we've seen Darwin Quintero, and I got his jersey in my closet, so I'm a fan, don't get me wrong, but he will let defensive mistakes happen. He won't track back. He'll be lazy. He'll be... A ball hog, he'll be selfish. That's the kind of player we don't necessarily need. So I am all for the team on the field. And if he's not for the team on the field, we got, like you said, Sam, we got great picks with uh, Raheem Edwards, You know, a lot of really good guys that are ready to step up and work hard.
1: Yeah, a lot of them were in our lineup uh, the other day or were people that were missing from our lineup because of the injuries. You know, Jan Griggish, Ozzy Alonzo, Ike Parra. Right? Like, these were all great moves by our front office that have made us a competitive team in the Western Conference, and they're making this team just so much fun to watch. So And speaking of, you know, jerseys in the closet, you know, Quintero's a good one to have in the closet. Um, you know, I bet Justin wishes he had a Kitero jersey in the closet, but he doesn't.
0: Friends, friends, don't buy jerseys of players you like on FIFA. FIFA is not real life. You have to watch the game. <laughs> So that you don't buy jerseys of terrible players like Francisco Calvo, because then you'll see he's trash, and you don't want to. You don't want to be seen in that. So, just you know, PSA for everybody out there: watch the games first. That needs to come up more than it has.
2: <laughs> I love it. I love the Calvo jersey. That's a great one. Wear it with pride. I say. Wear I with will. Pride.
0: I will. Everyone always, whenever, you know, the few times that I've, you know, obviously we can't do it now. Right. Like this year with games, but every time I wore it to a game, at least one person had to talk to me about it and be like, want, they wanted to know, you know, they were, yeah. So <laughs> I'll continue to do that. that They're like, are, are you related to him or something? <laughs> Did <laughs> you, know, you find can... that at Goodwill?
1: <laughs> <laughs> if I can make one more point about the injuries, uh,
2: because I don't like to over-praise a front office or over-criticize. You know, I think a lot of people think I'm so pro-Minnesota United front office when I'm not. I just think, you're going to criticize, I'm them, criticizing them about fair things. Uh, and especially Adrian Heath. We have had how many essential injuries to starting lineup players this year. I mean, we've got Miller, Opara, Luis Amaria, Ethan Finley, Ozzy Alonso. And potentially Kevin Molino, he's been in and out all year. And we're sitting at fourth in the West, I believe. Yeah. And really only a game behind. You can dislike Adrian Heath all you want. I don't think he's perfect. I don't think he's the best coach in the entire world. But what he and the front office have done with the team that they currently have for the field needs to be a little bit recognized, I think. To some degree, you've got to give him some slack. And the fact that so many people in the fan base wanna to continue to criticize, yeah, I don't like when he calls out the fan base either. I think that's goofy and he doesn't need to do it, but he's doing good with the pieces that he has, and I think that needs to be recognized.
0: Yeah, and I mean I as I've said on this the show before, like my first year being truly being a fan was last year. And I'd say that a lot of the reason why I still follow this team is because the the product that was put forward was good. It was quality, right? So I wanted to watch games. And a lot of that, you know, is because of the moves that was made by this front office. They put together a great team, fun to watch. Sometimes we just got to forget about the baggage from the past. Right. Like, and can we like, just enjoy this for what it is. Right. And we are a competitive team. You know, we're going to make the playoffs again because everybody's making it pretty much. Right. But like, it's going to happen and that's good. Like, that's a good thing to happen for this team after, you know, the, the, the beginnings of MLS. All right, well, let's move on. We have a little bit of a recap
1: of last night's game at Houston. Justin, you want to give us a
0: rundown of that lineup? Yeah, so we had Dane St. Clair in goal, Gasper, DeBossi, Boxall, and Metinere in the back, Gregus and Dotson in the middle, Molino, Reynoso, and Loda up front with Toy on the top, uh, subs were, were Fred Emmings still not getting in there, but he's still on the subs. Uh, Musa, Harrison, Hayes, Edwards, Chacon, and Schoenfeld. Uh, just to note, our new recent signings that we talked about before, Kamara and Zadejas will not be available until Wednesday game. So maybe we'll see them then, maybe off the bench. What did you guys think of this lineup? Well, I, I liked how you texted me when you first got the lineup sent to you
1: on your phone. And you are like, this is the lineup I've been waiting for. <laughs> and I was like, Justin, it more or less picked itself. Like, look at our injury list.
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously, like it's not the ideal lineup. I'd love to see Luis Amoria on the top. But I just feel like that this is we're starting to work our way towards what we wanted, right? The big pieces are missing. I Ike Opara and, and, you know, Ozzy Alonzo, those are huge parts to this team. Uh, but I, I think that this is it's it's kind of cool to see the vision of what Adrian wanted to have this team look like is at least starting to take shape more. We just need those top, those top flight players to be available, but I feel like we're getting in the right direction.
2: I like the lineup. I think that there is so much of the lineup that makes me wish for what uh, injury free 2020 would look like. But that being said, um, I just appreciate that. It seems to me that Adrian Heath has learned from a lot of the things that he has done this last year Lode starting on the right is fantastic. I think getting DeBossi some time in is awesome. He started off really well. So I was excited to see the lineup because I just think this is our best setup by far.
1: All right. Well, let's do just a quick rundown of the first half. The first half was the fun half of the two. It did not take long for Molino to open up the scoring for Minnesota United as he gets a goal in the 11th minute. It happened as Gregish took advantage of a sloppy Houston turnover. He dribbles it down the field, finds Molino on the left, and Molino gets it in. Just minutes later, though, it looked as if we were going to have a little bit of a downer, but it turned out into just an awesome situation. So the way it happened was Ramon Metnair. Uh, we'll we'll say he kind of put Michael Boxall in an awkward situation, which resulted in Michael Boxall committing a penalty, which our old friend Darwin Cantero lines up for. But then, guys, it was blocked by Dane St. Clair. So we have two highs pretty early on. We have the goal by Molino, and then a penalty block. I'm sorry, but a penalty block is as exciting as a goal. Those are sweet.
2: I'm not sure if you guys noticed, but um, two things I saw from that penalty block by Dane St. Clair is the block was by his foot. He actually got it by his foot diving to his left. And I I thought that was interesting because it looked like Darwin Quintero just tried to basically shoot it down the middle. Um, I think Darwin Quintero is a a savvy player and a smart player. And I, I almost wonder if he was trying to kind of fake out Dane St. Clair. You know, you have a a young goalie who is expecting a veteran to slot it in one of the corners. So, of course, if he's overthinking it, he's a young guy, he's going to dive one direction. And Darwin almost guessed right. I mean, we got lucky that that was a foot save. But I, I just think it's interesting. I wonder how much of that was intentional because of Dane's inexperience or relative inexperience.
1: Well, and Darwin's probably shot a few balls at Dane St. Clair in his day. Like, Dane St. Clair would have been the practice goalkeeper a lot. Houston's play overall did improve as the half progressed, but they were not able to capitalize. And it was actually Robin Ludd, Ludd Ludman, who made it 2-0 in the 46th.
2: I get very uh, obnoxiously excited when Robin Lud scores. Um, (laughs) It's a level of validation from uh, fighting with people online all last year. Uh, I can't tell you how great it feels, but it is something to be said about, again, how did he get this goal, right? He crashed to the net and he finished off of a a shot deflection. Um, I think it's worth noting, too, just how well Robin Ludd did in that goal. So his goal at the 46th minute, he starts by tracking back to play defense on Darwin Quintero, recovers the ball, passes it to Reynoso, and then immediately just turns on the burners running down the field, gets the ball back, and does a great cross right to uh, Molino's feet, and then, again, crashes the net to finish off the goal he gets a lot of flack for being and I'm doing air quotes slow he's not a burner but he's definitely not slow I, I think the people who call him slow I maybe in MLS terms because MLS has a very fast physical presence but he's got effort and energy and he's pushing hard and he makes that goal happen I mean almost I don't want to say single-handedly because Reynoso had some really good touches and pass but you wonder why Heath likes the guy. Effort, crashing to the net, tracking back on defense, putting in the little things. It's all right there in that goal.
1: Well, and it, it's been a lot of goals so far this year. Um, you know, this isn't the one goal in the U.S. Open Cup season for Robin Ludd. He's at, I'd have to check how many it is now. It's got to be like five or six.
2: I think he's got six. Yeah. So second highest goal scorer on Minnesota United. Grant, I think you're the true Lud, bro. Oh, I will die on this hill. I know there's a couple other <laughs> podcasts I, I listen to who uh, try to champion themselves as the only people who, you know, defend Robin Lude. But you can go back, if you go to my first tweet, I'm pretty sure it's about Robin Lud, or maybe it's my second tweet, but uh, it's a hill I will die on. You, you look at his performances, and I don't want to spend too much time on, on my Robin Lude rants, but... Uh, You look at his performances for Finland in the Euro Cup when he was starting, again, on the right or playing centrally. He's their man of the match for like two different games and has an insanely positive score. He's their shot creator. He's their chance creator. He is not bad. And so I went to bat for him so many times on social media because people would say he's invisible, he's bad. No. What he didn't have was somebody like Emmanuel Reynoso to meet him with those passes and to find him when he's making those runs. He made a lot of great runs that went unfound or bad passes or whatever it is. I mean, between Molino, Reynoso, and Robin Lood, that is an awesome midfield trio. I, I'm very high on that trio on any year, uh, whether we have injuries or no injuries. If those three are healthy, clearly we can see there's offensive threat being created from them.
1: Well, good to hear. So the, the half closes off. We have the lower possession, but we've talked many times. That's kind of what Minnesota United does. We we tend to be a little bit lower in possession in, in like the forty percent range. Last night was yeah, last night in the first half it was forty-three percent. We we tend to do that because we are a little bit of a counter-attacking team, not the same way that Tuvalu is when they go up against Spain, but we are a little bit of a counter-attacking team. That's how we play. One thing that I did think was a little uncharacteristic of us in the first half last night, and we, I guess we got a little bit lucky in this sense, is we did allow eight total shots, including four that were on target, which is just a little uncharacteristic, Minnesota United being known more for the defense. And again, I mean, it goes to show you too, Dane St. Clair, this was the first game where I was like, Dane St. Clair not only looked good and not only stopped what he should have stopped. But last night, it appeared Dane St. Clair was stopping things that other goalkeepers wouldn't have.
2: You can see the potential in him. I mean, it's very easy to see this is a player who, if he has the right coaching, um, he's going to turn out to be a very good uh, goalkeeping prospect. And I, I believe he's in line, or he's kind of the heir apparent to be Canada's goalkeeper. Is that accurate?
1: From what I've heard, it is. I I feel, again, sound of the loons, you, you know I'm, I'm sure they're listening, right? I'm sure Sound of the Loons listens to us as much as we listen to them. But I'm pretty sure I've heard Sound of the Loons reference that Dane St. Clair is, you know, on his way to being Canada's number one and Alfonso Davies, you know, players like that coming through Canada right now. That's not a bad spot to be for this, these next few years coming up is Canada's number one goalkeeper. So second half. Was not as great for Minnesota. Obviously, if you're listening to this podcast, chances are you know the scoreline where we entered the half 2-0, we closed off the game 2-2. Jose Aja immediately was in for DeBasi at the half, which just just to clarify, that means that you can still make three separate instances of substitutions going forward. Uh, You can have five subs total during this COVID era, but only at three different times. If you do it at halftime, it's almost like a freebie, and you can still have four more substitutes at three different times. So Jose Aja comes on for Debasi at halftime. Debasi played just fine and didn't appear to be injured or anything. I'm guessing they just don't want him playing a full 90 minutes quite yet. Here we start the theme of both of these goals where Dane St. Clair blocks the shot but doesn't necessarily catch it. And the ball falls to another player who is able to convert, falls to another Houston player who is able to convert and score the goal. And in this case, the ball fell to none other than our old friend, Darwin Kintero, who is. It it, honestly, it was a very nice chip he had in goes right over Dane St. Clair and Houston is on the board. It is now one, two. This was Darwin Quintero's fifth goal of the year. And of course it was his second goal against Minnesota United this season, which as a Minnesota United fan, it was frustrating to say the least.
0: Yeah. I mean, I understand, you know, being fueled, by maybe this idea that that we gave up on him, but I, I think we're valid in our opinions on Cantaro. But I also I also think he's valid in using whatever motivation he needs. And you could tell that he was very excited to be able to score against the former club club, prove us wrong, whatever you know. And it, it's part of the reason why we didn't win the game. So good good for Darwin. Whatever he's going to do to help him be successful, let him do it. Marlon Hairston subbed on for
1: Mason Toy in the 61st. Mason Toy, another very quiet night for him. I'm not sure if any of you have any comments on Mason Toy's play, but it just it didn't seem like his positioning was great uh, as far as taking advantage of any you know attacking balls that Minnesota United had in. Not long after, Dane St. Clair makes another great save off of. A Darwin Quintero, right? We're talking about Darwin Quintero again. Dane St. Clair makes a great save off of a Darwin Quintero free kick. And Figueroa, of you know, those of you who are English Premier League fans, FA Cup fans, he is of the Wigan, what was that, 2012 or 2013, when Wigan shocked the world and won the FA Cup. He is able to get the rebound, and it is now 2-2, all tied up in the 69th minute.
2: Yeah, and one of the things I would say on that, this is a little petty, but in the 30th minute, Figueroa had a pretty blatant hit to Reynoso's face that went uncarded it was a verbal warning. I'm still a little bitter about that because I think players obviously play a little bit differently when they've been carded, and I know he had a few dicier moves towards the second half as well, so still a little mad about that specifically, but frankly, unfortunately, this comes down to Kevin Molino, He is absolutely supposed to be marking Figueroa, and I don't know if he assumes that Dane is going to save that shot, but he stops and doesn't move, and Figueroa just keeps running and cleans it up. So love Kevin Molino, but he's got to stay with his guy on those set pieces.
1: Now, Kevin Molino was not able to stay healthy. We've talked about this earlier in the episode. I think it was a cross by Robin Lud. Kevin Molino was cross. Beautiful yeah, yeah. I, I mean, to prop and, up... And Robin it was from Wood, the left. It was from the left, too. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he's don't better think. on the left, man. I, I don't know.
2: <laughs> There's a lot to be said about confidence, and I think you mentioned Mason Toy earlier. And He's 21. Um, he'll get better. I think he's having confidence issues, too. But with Robin Lood right there, on the left, even, he, I thought there was a dramatic drop off in his play, moving back to the left. He had that great cross, but I think overall, it's clear to see how comfortable he is on the right. I think the confidence he's gotten off of these last few games, scoring goals, getting back into his natural rhythm, I think you can see that. I would say my criticism of Heath for these moves is that I don't know why you take off Toy and then put a Marlon Hairston on I'm not really sure how that all shakes out when you really have, in my opinion, Robin Lude would be a very natural striker. He makes those runs. He can stay up top. He doesn't have to be pacey. And you can put a Raheem Edwards on. You can put Marlon Hairston on instead. I I guess I don't really know what his strategy is for striker if we're taking Mason Toy out. Granted, we've got Kamara coming, so there's that. But I don't think Heath has responded super great. Um, it seems like kind of a free for all on who's going to play striker. I think, was it last game where Edwards played striker for a little bit?
1: Well, and Raheem Edwards with his pace, that almost makes a little bit more sense to me. But yeah, I, like last night looked like a false nine kind of a situation. It, there obviously wasn't a true striker in the game for the closing portion of this game and especially with uh young gregish coming off which we're going to talk about in a little bit but especially young gregish coming off it it got to the point where it just it looked like we were just fine with the draw that we weren't really going for it quite anymore that we were just fine with the draw and especially once young gregish came off with that red card i completely agreed and understood like let's take the point and get out of here but yeah i I don't totally know the, Mason, the decision-making behind the Mason toy decision. I guess the only thing I would say is I did not really think that toy looked great and probably confidence, but also it, it's just, I don't know. He's been in, he's been in very up and down form this year, really last year. When we think about when Mason toy was at his best, that was over a very specific stretch of time. And besides that, it was more of the same, just. Moments of brilliance, and then he would just disappear. And Adrian Heath must have just thought that he could get more from someone else. Or maybe he honestly didn't want to wear him out, knowing that he was all he had for Columbus on Wednesday. It might be that, too. I think that's valid. I think, uh, you know,
2: you have to save your only striker. You know, assuming Kai Kamara can come in and play right away, he's probably not going to play the whole time. He's a 36-year-old. But yeah, Toy hasn't looked great. I'm I'm still big on him. I like him a lot, but I think he's got to find that rhythm that works for him. Strikers are so mental; they're like kickers in the NFL. Where you know if they're going through a cold streak, it's going to be very cold. My hope is that he can find that same chemistry with Reynoso that Molino and Lud have found as well.
1: Before we move on from Mason Toy, I just want to put it out there: big fan of Mason Toy. He's one of the youngest people on the team. He has a, I'm hoping a bright future ahead of him. And I hope his bright future is with Minnesota United, but I don't think people realize that even though he's been with, this is his third year with the team. He left college pretty early. So I think he's only like 21 or something like that. 21, 22. So a lot of years ahead of him. He's not necessarily supposed to just be lighting it up right this minute. And Just like we were all saying, Chacon's not quite ready for playing time. Mason Toy isn't ready to be a consistent MLS striker. And that's not a bad thing. He can learn behind people like Luis Amaria, assuming that he comes back healthy. He can learn behind people like Kai Kamara. So 88th minute, we've talked about this several times. I don't know if we need to get, uh, I don't know if we need to discuss it too much more but in the 88th minute, that was when we knew for sure it was just let's pack in our defense. Let's get out of here. Young Gregish sent off with an off the ball red card. It appeared that he, we, we, we kind of talked about this already. One of Houston's players looked to punch the ball that Gregish was carrying out of Gregish's arms. Gregish almost kind of swats him away. It didn't connect, but the rules don't care if your hit doesn't connect and, We're not talking a punch. This was like you were trying to swat a bug. That was what it looked like. I feel as a middle school teacher that a swat that doesn't even connect, I think that that's a don't do that again kind of thing or a dude, cool, man, cool. I wouldn't even call a kid's parent for swatting at another kid. I don't. Maybe that makes me a relaxed teacher. I don't think so. I think most people wouldn't care too much about a SWAT. It wasn't a punch. But with that said, I read the rule that was being posted all over Twitter and Reddit. It sounded like the referee got it right. I just, it seems very soft.
2: I'm sorry. I'm just laughing at the idea of Sam running like a sixth grade fight club out in the playground. You know, Hey, kids, take (laughs) care of it. I'm not looking. You take care of it.
1: Grant, I... I I'd have some stories for you. (laughs) I'm sure. I'm sure.
2: Uh, You know, and not to be, uh, you know, one of these guys, but almost actually to echo what Justin said earlier with the frustration of soccer is you wonder how that chain of events changes if when the Houston player puts his hands on Jan Gregush, if Gregush flops at that point, like if he just crumples, what happens then? Is there. A card shown to the Houston player. I'm not saying a red card, but, you know, it's frustrating about soccer sometimes. As a lifelong soccer fan, I played soccer all through high school. I I just wonder, you know, there's got to be a better way to look at those kind of scenarios with context.
1: Anyway, we get a quick cameo by our old friend Christian Ramirez in the 89th minute. And the game closes off 2-2. So we head on. We're going forward into the next two games of Phase 2. We have Wednesday, September 23rd at Columbus, who are one of the hottest teams in the league right now and are an Eastern Conference opponent. Justin and I should be... We're going to actually try something new. We're we're going to record immediately after the game, just 20 to 30 minutes, no more. We're going to do our best to record the Columbus podcast, maybe even as it's going on. We might record the first half part during halftime. We'll see, but look out for that one. And then a few days later, on Sunday, September 27th, Minnesota United will host RSL, which, as we've said before, that previous game where RSL came to town was great. So let's see more of that. But we have no additional information on any additional games after that. From my understanding is after the RSL game, there should be nine more regular season games prior to the MLS Cup playoffs. So I'm, I'm looking for more information, but going into phase two, we didn't get that until last minute, right? Like we heard about it right before the final game of phase one. So we will see.
2: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see us go back to Columbus, what with the Kai Kamara and Ethan Finley connection. I know they both have a very storied history with Columbus. They were part of one of their great teams. So it'll be fun to check that
1: out. Hopefully, they can play as uh, invigorated as Darlington Tarot play against us. I'm very interested to see how things happen in the midfield in that game. In our MLS, uh, MLS's back tournament game against Columbus, you saw Hassani Dotson just basically being a pesk to Darlington Nagby and really kind of did a good job taking Nagby out of the game. You know, Nagby being one of the more. Senior members of the MLS being a, you know, a true MLS star, Hassani Dotson more or less takes him out of the game. But if I remember right, Ozzy Alonso and Jan Gregish were both playing in that game. And I don't, especially if Ozzy and Gregish are both gone, I don't think that Hassani Dotson is going to have that, that freedom. You know, we always talk about the things that Alonso is accountable for when he's in the game. And that frees up players to do other things. I think that the midfield battle between these two teams will be way different than it was the last time we saw them in Orlando. And hopefully we have a plan for that.
2: Yeah, uh, I would not be surprised to see Hairston and Musa in this game. You know, just assuming that obviously Gregish is not going to be... At least they won't overturn the, the immediate red card call. Uh, he's out, so... I I would be um I would predict that we're going to see some form of Musa Hairston Dotson um probably playing a pretty defensive role but again who knows it it's tricky Darlington Nagby is an incredibly good player and if we don't shut him down I think you know he's kind of their focal point where they can make a lot of quick stuff happen on offense
1: yeah not to mention Jesse Zardes of us men's national team fame he's he's up top for them always looking dangerous as well well guys let's get into our award-winning segment it is our big club day football our big cf and just a quick one for you and it's just i grew up in a big 10 area justin grew up in a big 10 area well justin you grew up all over the place but you I have always been, a, unfortunately, a Gopher fan. Yes, you're correct, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> but Big Ten football is returning, and I think it's relevant to discuss it on an MLS podcast just because you see what other leagues are doing, and it gives you an idea for the direction your own league is going. So Big Ten football is returning October 24th. They're going to play eight regular season games in eight weeks with the championship game being on December 19th. Interestingly, the 12 teams that do not make the championship game, they're all going to play, each each of them are going to play their counterpart in the opposite division based on standings. So whoever finishes second in the East will play second in the West, third in the East will play third in the West, and so on. Unless they said, some minor adjustments may be made if those teams have already played each other in the previous eight games, no fans allowed. And if a player tests positive for COVID-19, the soonest they'll be able to return is 21 days later. So that's intense. That could really, that could really, you know, you're talking if a star player tests positive, that could really throw a wrench into some things. Anyone that, and and this was something that was actually unique to the Big Ten, is any Big Ten player that tests positive is going to receive comprehensive cardiac testing, which was a big thing because the primary reason the Big Ten teams weren't going to originally play was because of the Big Ten doctors stepping in saying these were their concerns, these were the unknowns, this is what they weren't sure about, and this testing more or less was the compromise between getting them back on the field. And it looks like the PAC 12 who also was the other big five conference that didn't originally go into the season. It looks like they're going to follow suit within just a couple of weeks later. So I don't know. I'm going to watch it. I was looking forward to some spring football with a Rose bowl at the end, right? Since it was the big 10 and the PAC 12, both not playing I was looking forward to some spring football followed by a Rose Bowl, but
0: I'll watch the Big Ten if it comes back. Thank you, Sam, for not bringing this up, but you know, I don't know if I'm going to be able to watch an NFL game this year, you know because my team, the Vikings, are not looking so hot, but so I am hopeful that the gophers give me something to watch. you know we I've stated before that you know I am somewhat uncomfortable because these players. They're not pros. They they don't have millions of dollars guaranteed with for them, you know. And we still, we still don't know everything about what this does to people in the long term effects and how many of these guys are potentially ruining their ability to gain those contracts right in the future. So that kind of bums me out. But as long as it's happening, I guess I'll cheer on my team. Gophers should be good. It's interesting to see how they'll handle it, uh, how they'll handle any sort of issues. 21 days seems like a lot, but, you know, hopefully that'll push players to to keep themselves out of compromising positions.
2: As we know, college kids are very good at uh, holding themselves accountable and uh, not making poor choices, right? So I'm sure that'll go great.
1: So Justin, you were a college football player. You played for St. Thomas and you were chasing D3 national titles.
0: Kind of. Yeah, yeah. You're right. Trying. You you guys made it far or was that the year after you left? We had one year. We had a, my senior year was the first time we made it to the playoffs. And that was good. That was good. But after after I was gone when they started to dominate. So yes, yes. But I did have a taste. So in this situation, do you play? Oh it depends. You know, I mean you know, I, I, I look at the guys that are playing Big Ten football that, that that football is their their dream moving forward in life and and I you know it's 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 very often, I mean, football is one of those sports where a guy can kind of come out of nowhere, you know, as a junior, as a senior, you know, they give him the opportunity, they can have tremendous success. And there's guys that, you know, we're going to we're going to look back and, and, you know, think about last year. There's so many people that that, you know, I'm a huge NFL fan. There's so many times where guys aren't drafted, but find a way, you know, through practice squad, through training camp to prove themselves And that's already been kind of showed in the time of COVID, like those guys aren't getting the same opportunities they normally would. Um, So, you know, if the big 10 football season doesn't happen, a lot of these guys aren't getting that chance to put themselves out there and, and display their talents, you know? So, so I think that it depends on how you're feeling. If, if I'm someone that, that, you know, this is my, this is what I need to do. Like I'm not on the radar of any team. I think I have to play, um, if you're someone like you know, I love the Gophers, but they have a player named Rashad Bateman the, that I think if if he he's trying to come back, he's actually trying to play, but he originally opted out, and it's like his his stock could only go down, right? Like if he gets hurt, if he gets COVID, you know, he might he might never be where he once was projected because football is also one of those things where your shelf life you know, is only as long as you can stay healthy for a lot of guys, you know, playing through injuries is really tough. You know, recovering from a major injury is really tough. So you kind of got to, you got to cash in your chips when you can, you you don't want to gamble too long because you might get Terry ACL as a senior and never make it right. So, and, and besides, like I've said, who knows what this does to these guys long-term if they get COVID-19 you know, I know that this is just kind of a long, long non-answer Sam, but, but i think they have the guys have to have that conversation with themselves how much is this worth it yeah thanks for that insight well hey guys
1: this is turning into one of our longer episodes so we're going to start wrapping things up before we go i did want to just mention justin in the last episode you told me that i should be grateful that you made me watch tiger king because i <laughs> and I, I kind of agreed that there is just so much more that I understand because I get those references and I, I begrudgingly admitted that. And then just the day later, I hear that there was an anti-Carol Baskin commercial during Dancing with the Stars because apparently she's on Dancing with the Stars. <laughs> so her ex-husband's family took out an ad in the middle of it basically saying, you get a hundred grand if you can give us information that leads to the arrest of Carol Baskins or any proof that she indeed fed him to the tigers or I'm, I'm not doing it justice, but I just wanted to say, Justin, thank you because if you wouldn't have made me watch tiger King, I wouldn't realize how totally screwed
0: up this was. (laughs) You're welcome, Sam. You're welcome.
1: Was this just a publicity ploy by, I forget what network dancing with the stars is on, but is that just for publicity? Like, Is that network the one that's going to pay the hundred thousand dollars just to get more people to watch their show?
0: I don't know, man. I don't know, but that's good. That's, that's, that's a nice like plot twist, right? Like, uh, or not plot twist, right? But just like a, you know, a developing thing, developing story in this (laughs) and we'll see what comes from it. Oh God. Well, anyway, like I said, we got to close
1: off. I want to thank Grant for coming on. Make sure to follow him at cold North rants and Grant. It, it's been a lot of fun having you on. It's been a lot of fun getting to know you and hopefully you want to come pot on with us later.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I would love to come back. Thank you guys both for having me. Um, It is not a coincidence that you had me on your podcast and it's the longest one yet. So keep keep that in mind as you need to fill more material. If you're running on a slow week, just let me know. I'll go off on a tangent. So um, all jokes aside, thank you again, guys. Really appreciate it. Had a lot of fun talking to you guys tonight.
1: Yeah, we might have to do what we do with Nate, where we just plan on it being a two-parter so that there's a natural stop in the middle, and then you just uh, you, you grab another beer and you keep going.
2: Sounds like a good plan to me. I'll have a few stocked in the fridge.
1: <laughs> now, I, I want to remind all of our listeners, um, if you've made it an hour and 20 minutes into here, I want to remind all of you, you are the hardcore fans, so please, please, please subscribe to Pot On You Loons on the podcasting platform of your choice, and follow us at Podloons. Especially if you have access to Apple Podcasts, leaving us a review that actually has written words, even if it's just your pod is good, even if it's just go loons. You don't have to be super creative on it, but that is what makes us available in Apple's podcast search. So we're not always available if you just type in Minnesota United in Apple Podcasts. We are if you do that in Spotify. We are if you do that in iHeart. We are if you do it on PodMN. We are not always if you do it in Apple. It all depends on how we're doing on Apple. So leaving us that review, um, preferably five stars, but if you leave us a review, it helps us a lot. It really, really helps us a lot. Justin and I will be back doing a short episode, probably not with a lot of rants, but just a little recap of Columbus and any news that goes along with it. We'll be doing that midweek. And then our normal full-length episode will be coming following Sunday's game against RSL. But guys, that's all we have. Thank you, Grant. Thank you, listeners. It's been real. Pot on you, loons. Pot on you, loons. On, wins. All right. Peace out. See ya.